execution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body outlined and chalk. I left the institution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body outlined and chalk. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, good evening or good morning, depending on when you're listening to this. This is the House to House podcast. This is Amadi and Ragu. We are in here. As always, you can listen to our wonderful podcast uh, on divemedia.co, divemedia.co, and our podcast is available everywhere that they are disseminated, Apple, Google, Spotify, um, SoundCloud. No, we're not on SoundCloud anymore. What are we on? Goodness gracious. Are we on Stitcher still? Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. Thank you. I couldn't okay. remember some of it. All, all of the places. We're on all the It places. starts to recall. Like once yeah. you start mentioning all the names, <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, there you go. They're all there. But again, we're, we're on there. And you can reach out to us uh, via Facebook. Um, we have a Facebook group, House to House Podcast. Uh, so please, please jump up and connect. Uh, this is our first show of 2021, man. So uh, we got a like, late start. Yeah, but- <laughs> yeah. Happy New Year! If you're <laughs> if you're just now listening to uh, uh, us um, for the for the New Year, Happy New Year to you! Uh, I, you know, I guess we're kind of spot on because it's technically the last day of January, so it's kind of like a new new month, new year, new you, right? There you um, go. There we are. So we, you know, we're going to keep these conversations flowing, um, and you know, we'll, we'll see what comes about of it, or see what comes about of it. See what comes of it. Yeah, that's right. See what that's comes right. of it. There it is. Okay. We're going to see what comes of it. So we're going to have some, you know, we, we ended uh, 2020 with some with some heavy, heavy conversations about, you know, church in the era of COVID. And we figured we would keep the weightiness uh, of some of those conversations going. So we're going to we're going to be a little weighty. Um, disclaimer here for those listening. We may touch on some touchy subjects that may make uh, some people uncomfortable, but one of the things I appreciate about the scripture is that it does not shy away from a lot of the things that we as believers will shy away from. You know, we don't like to talk about stuff, but the Bible, it's all through the Bible. So it's kind of like, well, guys, if if the Lord saw fit to have it written in the scripture, we should no longer be afraid to uh, discuss such things. So um, with, with, with that being said, um, we, you know, Ragu and I, we we do a Bible study um, with some brothers. Um, we have a WhatsApp group. We're probably gonna switch over to Telegram in light of, of course, all, anything else. <laughs> in, in light of uh, some recent things, but we, you know, uh, so we, you know, we we do a Bible study with with some brothers in in our area, and um, we, you know, been been studying uh, brotherhood in the scriptures, and we got to Philemon. And so, you know, after we after the Bible study, you know, Gu and I were talking. We were like, "Man, this would be an awesome subject to bring to the podcast. Uh, we should probably do that." And so here we are doing it. So you guys and ladies get the benefit of what we do on the side. So, with that being said, we you know felt like walking through uh, the the Book of Philemon today. And we don't know if this may be a one parter. Or a two-part episode. If we run long, this may turn into two parts. But we wanted to give uh, Philemon its just due. It's one of those smaller books in the New Testament, and sometimes it kind of gets forgotten. You know, people yeah. you know people jump from the Gospels to the larger epistles. 
then they just jump right to Revelation. It's like some of those smaller ones, right? Kind of get skipped, but there's a lot of it's a lot of meat in there. So why don't you um, give us an overview, Goo, of just Philemon, who he was, and kind of his place in the early, early uh, Christian church? All right. So I think a good place is to who who is Philemon, right? Philemon, I'm going to make some assumptions here based on what we know in the scriptures. They're not without just cause, uh, if you will. Um, so Philemon is somebody I believe Paul has converted and adopted as a son in the faith. And his name literally translated means one who kisses. Eh, doesn't really have much bearing right now, but I think in, in latter days, discussion we'll we'll actually kind of get into that philemon was uh also someone who was who lived in Colossae, and that would be the church of colossians uh kind of going with that and um continuing in this vein uh so who was philemon to paul i think we kind of addressed that and the next kind of thing is Paul is writing to Philemon about a mutual party who's a gentleman named Onesimus, who is actually, I believe, a son that a son in the faith that is not biological, well, at least not at least I don't believe it is. Right. Um, and he's a, Paul is writing to Philemon for on behalf of Onesimus is the way that he's being treated, what kind of background Onesimus has, because Onesimus is actually a slave. uh, And we'll kind of disclose some pieces of information in the scripture that kind of leads to that. Um, But basically, Paul is writing to Philemon to say, hey, Make sure you treat Onesimus like someone who's in the faith as opposed to what he naturally is, who is, who, which would be a slave and treated less than. Wow. So I think that's probably what kind of gives this whole book a lot of context as well as empowerment in the sense that Paul is challenging how Philemon's behavior in, in light of how a believer is to be quote-unquote acting um christ-like if you will definitely you know one of the things and we we stated at the beginning folks it's gonna get a little touchy so yes you did hear ragu correctly onesimus was a slave to philemon now slave is not you know synonymous with the chattel slavery that may have taken place in the united states that many of you are thinking about right now um slavery has is been around since antiquity um, more than likely Onesimus was a, a servant in the house of Philemon and um, you know but he was not treated like an animal like you know when we think about um, chattel slavery in the early United States but again the Bible does talk about these things and so this is not one of those areas where we're going to shy away from so oh, can we can we clearly define that Amadi I think I'm not sure what chattel means so but when we say slavery I'm thinking of the term like indentured servitude kind yes. of thing yeah well yeah okay. that's what I meant when I said servant in his house you know okay. he, was, he was clearly a servant 
And clearly, and, when, and you know, obviously when I say chattel slavery, because Africans who were brought to the United States as a part of the transatlantic slave trade were literally chained together and sold as property. Um, so we're not talking about that type of situation. We're talking about someone who is a servant, clearly of a lower economic, socioeconomic status than Philemon. And that's actually one of the things that I appreciate about this book. It's one of the first things you appreciate about the book. Um, aside from the fact that Paul esteems Philemon as a brother and co-laborer in the faith, he, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't make any bones about the fact that the kingdom of God supersedes any cultural norms of, of their day, right? You're, you're from India, Ragu, so you know what how caste systems work, right? We live in the United States, which we're also in a racial caste system here. And so Paul is essentially speaking directly to the socioeconomic sort of structure of early Colossi. And he... Um, has you know, no issue. He even makes a, a particular statement here that I found very, very interesting. He's, he talks to Philemon, and then he even gives um, like a shout-out. Let's just call it a, a biblical shout-out because Paul is famous for that. You know, He would say, greetings to you. Oh, and you, and you too, and you, right? Mm-hmm. And so he, he gives greetings to Philemon from himself and from Timothy, and he even mentions Appia, and Archippus, uh, fellow co-laborers in the faith. And then he says, to the entire body that meets in your house. So Philemon was literally having gatherings of believers in his home, which again is tremendous when you see further down the book what Paul is asking him. So, you know, Philemon's, you know, he's a mature brother. He's a leader in the body of Christ. This is not just clearly. Yeah, he's not just some random person who may have had some wealth and who was converted but this was a guy who was truly laboring in the advancement of the kingdom of God right um so I just thought that that verse two was really like whoa like this is a guy who is really putting in work for for the kingdom oh yeah and I think it's good to also make mention of Aphius well excuse me Aphia and Archippus who I believe were also additional indentured servitudes in the house of Colossi. Wow. And you know, one of the reasons that that this is really, really critical, particularly in 2021, one of the things that I you know, have to remind people all the time, when you see all the stuff going on, whether it's racial, economic, ethnic, I have to remind people, you know, and the scriptures talk about this in Proverbs where it says there's nothing new under the sun, or it might be even, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. It's in Ecclesiastes where, where Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. And so when I'm talking to people, and they'll even ask me, listen, Amadi, how is it that you, the ethnicity that you are, how can you be a devout believer despite what's going on out here, right? Whether you have reckless uh, leadership in the body of Christ or whatever else is going on. And I remind people, these types of interactions have been going on since the beginning. And so you see here in early, early Christianity, right, in the in the infancy of Christianity, you have one of the leaders of the, the group of believers in Colossae has meetings, have gatherings in his home, right? And still that wasn't enough to break the cultural norms of his day. 
And so, you know, I, I say that to pe- you know, to to people to reinforce that we think sometimes when someone becomes a believer that there's like this magic that happens and every single thing that they're in automatically changes. And sometimes we have to be a little bit more realistic to say God has to do work in the hearts of people because, you know, if we've been doing a particular thing for 20, 30, 40 years, whenever you become a believer, that stuff doesn't change overnight. And so it's clear that this gentleman, Philemon, had been a believer for some time because, again, believers were meeting in his home. He was possibly discipling people in the faith, and yet and still he had people who were servants to him, served him, who he probably looked at, you know, in in a lower socioeconomic position. He probably looked down upon them. And so that's what you see Paul speaking to here all throughout the book. No, I definitely appreciate that you bring that to light, Amadi, in respect to like when we come to the knowledge of the Lord, we come with baggage, right? Yeah. We come with stuff, even in the midst of like you want to make this grandiose repentance thing. If you had a thing with carnal music or whatever, you may throw away all of it. Right. But there is still something that has to be done in the heart of you as an individual to want to kind of be tricked excuse me, transformed inwardly, right? As the scripture talks about. And I, and one of the scriptures that, that I, I think about when these actions are kind of taken is like zeal without knowledge is, is foolishness, right? Even though that zealousness is, is awesome, right? The inward working of the Holy Spirit still has to take place within the believer in order that for that transformation to happen. And one of the key things I think in the midst of that transformation is somebody who is more mature walking with you. Cause apart from that, you just discipling yourself and you can be end up in God knows where literally. Yeah. One of the, and this is really critical, not only for, from a socioeconomic perspective in terms of how believers sort of cohabitate and function with one another. It's also a, you know, warning for leaders because just like what you said if you are if you consider yourself a leader in the body of christ but there's no one who you consider mature enough to speak to you not just to speak to you but speak strongly enough that you would consider their words and potentially change your ways Hmm. it's a very dangerous place to be A, a lot of leaders find themselves in places where they don't heed the words of anyone, right? And they say foolish things like, well, unless God tells me, you know, forget it. And it's like, I understand that sentiment because we're all children of the most high God and God speaks directly to us. Yes, just like he does to Ragu, just like he does to me. But I never want to find myself in a place where no one can speak to me, right? No one can tell me anything. No one can speak into my life. Now, it doesn't have to be everybody, and that's where you protect yourself. No, everybody doesn't speak into my life. There are a handful of people who, if they spoke to me about a matter, I would take heed and say, okay, let me take that under consideration. And that's what Paul is saying here because he says um, and you know, in verses 8 and 9 of Philemon, Paul makes a very, very critical point. He says, I have confidence in Christ 
This is verse 8 of Philemon. He says, I have quite the confidence in Christ that I could command you to do what's proper. But verse 9, he says, but I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. Right. So Paul is recognizing that I am someone in your life who holds a level of authority and I could command you. Right. You know how we do just, you know, thus saith the Lord, you know, in in the name of the Lord, you should do these things. And we kind of lord over people like the Nicolaitans in in Revelation where, you know, uh, the scripture talks about how those practices are not of God. Right. They lord over people. Nicolaity, by the way, if you want to go look that up, if you want to, you know, go look that up. But let me get that passage of scripture. So at least we have something to reference. Thank you. But, you know, Paul is saying here, I'm not going to command you as I could. I'm going to appeal to you on the basis of love on behalf of someone else whom I have become their father in the Lord. Right. He says, I'm appealing to you on behalf of Onesimus. While I was in prison, I have become his father in the Lord, as I probably did for you. And so this is why he can talk to him in this way, right? As a father, I can talk to my children a certain way that other people probably cannot. And one of the ways that I can talk to my children, or two ways, is I could command them or I could appeal to them, you know, out of love, appeal to that higher person, to that greater sense. And so that's what, Um, that's what he's saying here. And then verse 11, he says another, just this, this, like I said, this this book is so small, but it's chock full of such powerful statements. Mm -hmm. He wreck, he, he identifies and he acknowledges the socioeconomic position of Onesimus and Philemon in verse 11. He says, listen, this man was of no use to you previously. I know. He's like, I'm acknowledging that. He was of no use to you previously. I I get it. He said, but now he's useful to you and he's useful to me in the building of the kingdom of God. Like, man, that's just like, it's just, you know, that little emoji where the mind is blown. Mm -hmm. Like Paul is not, he's not running from the current socioeconomic positions of both men, but he's reminding him of the greater context which is the kingdom of god no no definitely so real quick the scripture that's referenced is in revelations 2 6 and 2 14 and 15 that's in reference to the nicolaitan so anybody wants to look that up um but just just that appeal right it's always the greater measure of freedom and love when you allow someone to choose as opposed to beating them over the head with something and forcing their will, because then that's not re- real free will. That's not even love. That's not even how the Lord treats us. Even though he has the, the option to do so, he would rather us choose to love him instead of uh, being beaten into subjection, if you will. And yeah. so go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. And so, like in, in that next passage in verse 12, like Paul has even said, hey, this this man who is useless is now like he's the one that is my own heart, whom I am entrusting back to you. 
That's crazy. Like that, I know, right? That's yeah. pretty powerful. Yeah. Like I'm entrusting my son, <laughs> even though he was your servant when he left. <laughs> I'm sending him back. Yeah. yeah, he he was yours, but now he's mine. Yeah, and I'm I'm putting him into your care now. That's 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 really powerful. And so, and go ahead. No, no, no. Let's, let's let's keep going. Let's keep going. So, like in verse 13, it clearly states that you know he was with Paul. Well, let's just read it. Whom I wish to keep with me. So Paul wished to keep Onesimus with him so that he might, so that on your behalf, he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. I think this this passage is just speaking to how through the process of Onesimus being in the presence of Paul, it was actually giving him strength to continue to press forward, or at least that's what I gather in this passage of scripture. I, you know, I, I gather that that as well. I think again, Paul puts the focus on the gospel and the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. He, he never once sort of acknowledges the current socioeconomic position of Onesimus, because if he, if you do, Onesimus is at a deficit, Right. Because if he's a, a servant or even if he's an indentured servant, he may owe Philemon a debt. Like there's a lot of other unwritten Factors, circumstances yep. that, right, that may be going on behind the scenes. Because let's say he owes Philemon a tremendous debt and he was a servant to pay it off or something like that. There could be a lot of things going on here. And so Paul doesn't even try to go to that piece. Like, Let me work to try to pay it off and this. He says, no, listen, brother, I'm appealing to your higher self. We're just going to go right here. This this man is an asset to the kingdom of God, and you need to entreat him as such. Like that, that really is the the starting point. You know, that's really the the starting point, and that's you know fast forwarding it back to because this is how I think Philemon is a really good um, book to examine in the current climate that we're in. Because in the current climate that we're in, when when people are shouting for racial justice or things of that ilk, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying that I'm neither for nor against it. I'm just noting that it exists. One of the things we have to do is, and I, you know, I share with people all the time is, well, we can't have God's stuff without God. Like we, we, you know, we can't take the things without the giver of those things. And so that is what, um, Paul is writing to, he's writing to the spirit of God that lives within Philemon. And he's saying, you know, let that spirit of God within you rise up and see Onesimus, not as your servant, not as someone who's useless to you, right? I'm sending him back to you. Don't try to just put him right back in his servant. You know, don't try to put him back where he was before he left. See him as an asset to the kingdom, as a messenger of the gospel. Because he even says it later on in the chapter, um, he says, you need to accept him the way you accept me. Like, that's, <laughs> that is powerful. Like, Paul, like, he's not really pulling any punches here. No. He's he's getting to the heart of the issue, right? He's not even wavering. And and see, this is something you definitely mentioned earlier, Marty. Like, the gospel is no respecter of persons. Like, it's coming straight and laying out the truth in clear, uh, clear daylight, if you will. and it's not ambiguous in any way. And so I think with that said, it's almost like Philemon, you got to come on, man. Like yeah. what you doing? Right. Bruh. Like what like, are bruh. you doing? <laughs> so, 
you know, I definitely appreciate the cutthroatness of this this particular letter. <laughs> some of that, some of that cutthroatness. <laughs> yeah, because you know, again, verse sixteen, he again he acknowledges uh, Onesimus's position. He says, "Listen, he's no longer just a slave, right? He even says he's more than that to you now, mm. right? He's more than just a servant to you, right? See him as more than just that. Is he? Is he a?" Uh, and this is where the the amazingness of the letter comes in, because he says he doesn't erase Onesimus's position as a slave. And this is where, you know, it may get a little touchy for people who think that God is going to come and just eradicate a lot of that stuff. And he doesn't. He give he empowers us in the midst of those things. Right. Things like that are done from wicked people. But God can empower you, right? He empowered Joseph in the midst of slavery, in the midst of imprisonment. Like, he empowers Paul. Paul is writing this letter in prison. In prison. <laughs> in chains. <laughs> right. We, sometimes we think that Paul wrote these letters from the mountaintop. No, but he was in chains writing these letters. So God can empower us. So he is literally empowering Onesimus, you know, by writing this letter because he says, Listen, when he comes back to you, he is going to be more than a slave, but a dear brother. So he didn't say he did what he did not say was Onesimus is no longer a slave. He didn't say that. He said he's more than a slave now. He may still have to serve you for a season, but what he's really talking about is Philemon, the way you see him and the way you entreat him is it must be as a dear brother. That's how you need to begin to entreat him, right? Let's say I have a, a company, right, and I have a job, and I'm the owner, I'm the CEO, and there may, there may be some brothers in the Lord who work for my company. Well, they work for me, like, you know what I mean? Like, I am your superior. Doesn't mean that I still can't entreat you as a brother and love you, but at work, you have a job to do, right? And so we can't say, well, I don't have to tell you what to do because you're in the Lord. No, it doesn't work that way, right? You're in the Lord, but you're going to have a job to do. And if you don't execute that job, I may have to bring someone else in to execute the job, right? So that's where we have balance. And I don't, I don't think that God removes the responsibility of us having balance. You know, he doesn't never take that away. We have to still walk, you know, walk out, work out this soul salvation, so to speak. No, I definitely acknowledge that, Amadi. Like the premise that Paul continues to reinforce that that idea that Onesimus is valued more than a slave. It speaks to you know his identity, if you will, as someone who was in the kingdom, as opposed to this this natural man that was a slave in the eyes of Philemon. But he wants he wants the character and behavior to respond as one who was valued much more. Right. And and again, I mean, God, man, I really love this book. That's why when we were doing the study, man, I was like, this is this is a powerful book because yeah. he does not shy away from the practical applications of, of what is what he's asking. He doesn't run away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, listen, if he owes you anything, charge it to me. I'll oh, you jumping I'll, ahead. You jumping ahead, Amadi. <laughs> well, no, that that was verse um, eighteen. Oh. I mean, because we looked at sixteen and seventeen. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, he was just gotcha. like, listen, if this guy owes you anything, <laughs> I will repay it. Yeah. 
Like I'm like, yo. So that that goes to the earlier point where you know there may be a debt that Onesimus may have had, you know, to repay with his servitude. That's you know, again, these are typical practices in antiquity. In antiquity, if someone owed a significant debt, one of the ways to repay it was servitude. That that's servitude. just yeah, that's part of their cultural norms. And Paul is saying, listen, if this guy owes you anything, I'll repay it because you seeing him as a brother and then treating him as a brother is significantly more important to me than the debt. And essentially, I want it to be more important to you, Philemon, than mm-hmm. the debt he may, you know, he he may owe you. Right. Definitely. Definitely. And, and Paul even speaks to like, you know, it is because of your own salvation. I'm paraphrasing that it's because of me coming to see you like, come on, man, the relationship that we have and that we owe to Philemon is to him being valued as something more than just a lonely or a lowly slave to your house for however long a duration that could be and whatever value that is. Like, let's kind of put this to rest and like, let's move forward in the things of of God. Yeah, amen, amen. And you know, with with that being said, there's a there's another um, verse a little further down. Yeah, because he he does talk about that. He says, "You you owe me your very self." Yeah, <laughs> um, what you just mentioned. Pretty much, listen, man. Whatever God did for you through me, He's gonna do the same thing for Onesimus. But you know, later later on down in in the same chapter. Paul speaks to, and this is where I was mentioning earlier about the dangerous place that many leaders can find themselves in, not allowing anyone to speak into their lives and letting letting that change them or making, you know, forcing them to change their ways. Because in verse uh, 21, Paul says, listen, I'm confident that you'll obey. And he didn't say who. Because really, this is obeying God. This is not Philemon obeying Paul. So he didn't say, I'm confident you'll obey me because I run the show. No, he's saying, I'm confident you'll obey the spirit of God, which is why I'm writing to you to appeal to you. That speaks to the level of their relationship. He says, I knew that you would do even more than what I'm, than what I'm asking. That's how we know Paul is not focusing on himself. He said, Philemon, I know you're mature enough. You know God well enough that you'll do more than what I'm even writing in this letter. So that's right, why he might I'm appealing the to debt that. And you're right. I think what he's almost, I don't know if he'll actually do it, however, or if he actually did it, but to forgive him the debt and actually give him somewhere to live or whatever. Right. Because exactly. at this point, if this gentleman Philemon has served servants, like he's, he's got some wealth, like there is some wealth in that house. Right, exactly. So that, I mean, that to me, that speaks again to not just the socioeconomic piece of it, but also their level, like his depth of relationship with Paul must be very great. Like Paul knew, all right, I can appeal to the love of God in the heart of Philemon. Don't worry, Onesimus, having to try to appeal your case to this guy. I know that he knows God well enough that he will take my words and he'll take them to the Lord, right? He'll go to God and say, listen, Paul is asking me to do this. Father, I'm not sure. Because remember, like what you just said, Goo, if 
if Philemon is wealthy enough to have one servant, he may be wealthy enough to have multiple servants. And so what does this say to the other servants if you release Onesimus from his debt, right? Because so now Onesimus comes back and you say, you know what, brother, however he words it, I'm, you're released, God bless you, let's work together in the kingdom. But you have half a dozen other servants who are going to say, well, what about me? Hold on. I've been working here longer or I've been more faithful to you or blah, 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 right? There's, there's a lot of other factors there. And so, but I believe that Paul knows that Philemon is mature enough to be able to A, seek God for guidance and wisdom on the matter. And also he's wise enough to be able to maneuver through all of that, right? Possibly telling your other servants, no, this is an agreement that I'm making with Onesimus and Onesimus only, not with you. I mean, that's that. I mean, th- this is a, a a very, very, very touchy subject because it is very touchy. I think one of the things that is hard for people to hear, and this is going to be hard even saying it, the things that God does for specific people, He doesn't always do for everybody. And that's just really hard to hear because we think all the love of God is poured out on all the earth. It's like, yes, it is. For your eternal salvation, the love of God is poured out amongst all, right? He has shed his blood for all. So your eternal resting place is secure, right? Your place in the kingdom of God, right? Where I go, I go to prepare a place for you. It, that is secure, but if God does a very specific thing for this one person or for that one person, it's not necessarily fact that he's going to do that thing for you or anyone else. And, and that's the part about this book that is really so powerful because you see, he doesn't write to Philemon to say, Philemon, release all of your servants, release them all, right? Don't, don't you love God? Release all of your servants. He's not writing that. He's saying this one servant, God is going to do something with this guy in terms of advancing the message of the kingdom. I'm asking you on behalf of this one brother to entreat him differently. Man, that's. <laughs> that is that is uh, very intriguing that you bring that up because, Amadi, I was literally just thinking along those same lines. Like, what if Philemon felt compelled or led to releasing his servants and. And then uh, having to change however means of getting financial gain or wealth be. But that's that's a further repentance that Paul is not even appealing for. Right. Exactly. That would be Philemon just doing it on his own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Paul doesn't write that. Exactly. That's exactly my point. Yeah. Paul's not telling him to release the servants. But if Philemon decides, you know, I was seeking the Lord, I'm going to release everybody. Hey, praise God. Yeah, but we got to be open for the possibility that he doesn't. You know, <laughs> he yeah. may do it. Or, he may do it, or he may not do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think in conclusion, with respect to what's happening in the scripture, you know, um, Paul kind of concludes like, you know, I hope to see you prepare a place for me for lodging, but you know, unfortunately, I don't think he ever made that trend. Uh, traversing of right. from Rome back to seeing uh, the church of uh, Colossae one last time. 
And of course, he sends his greetings from all the people. And he mentions Epaphras, who looks like he was in chains with with Paul in Rome, as well as some other brothers. I know, of course, Mark and Luke are familiar names, but that's like, and you know, this is how you know he has a good relationship with Philemon because. Pretty much he gives him a, you know, not a sharp rebuke, but a mild rebuke. And then after the mild rebuke, uh, prepare a place for me when I come and stay with you. Prepare my lodging. (laughs) That is a, it's a, you know, sometimes we kind of miss them types of things. And it's like, listen, ladies and gentlemen, the relationships that you read in the New Testament, I mean, and in the Old Testament as well, they are very strong relationships. You don't you don't go through the the level of you know trials and tribulations that the saints in the infancy of the church went through if you don't have very 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 strong relationships, right? It's like you know when, when your parents yelled at you and then said, "Go grab that thing out the room." You're like. And I got to go grab with, something. With an attitude, right? right? You know? <laughs> but you still go get it, right? Because it's your parents, right? And that's, but that's what I see here, that that type of relationship where it's like, you're mildly being rebuked. I mean, Paul is appealing, but it's a mild rebuke because of his cultural norms. And then after that, he's saying, now prepare a place for me to stay, you know, because I'm going to come stay with you. Like, he's, he didn't even ask. He, he told him. That part he told him, prepare something because I'm coming to stay at your house. You know, it's it's a far cry from where we are today, which is one of two extremes. You it's know, very, yeah. It's com- a, I was just completely, say. you know, like th- casting off all restraint on one extreme, and then this sort of institutionalized mentality on the other extreme. Neither extreme is correct. It's like there's no balance in the middle. And what you see here is a very balanced perspective on how to address relationships existing cultural norms and what happens when someone in your you know how we live compartmentalized someone in this bubble sort of joins into this bubble it's kind of like well how do i how do i sort of deal with that yeah yeah the the idea of this type of relationship and how it's handled i think is not demonstrated in the culture present day nowhere near enough yeah um the idea of i think of relationships being so strong to the point where someone who's in a position of leadership writing to if you will a spiritual son in this manner does not ordinarily exist to combat against the cultural norm in the time right so i mean because what you have here is you have the balance listen that's why I gave the the two extremes, right? Because, right, in, in current culture, you have the one extreme. Uh, a mature man knows this other brother has servants or slaves, may not treat them very well, right? But And what would he do? I'm not going to say nothing. I'm going to let God deal with that, right? That's the one extreme. And then you have the other extreme. I'm going to dictate to you exactly what to do, how to live your life. And you never give them the flexibility to follow the most high God. And so Paul here is in balance. And listen, I know you I know you're you exist in a particular cultural norm. I'm just letting you know, hey, this brother is, you know, one of your servants, but he's also a man of the kingdom. Now, and I'm 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 going to appeal to the love of God in your heart. I'm going to let you decide what to do. 
because I believe that she'll do more than what I'm even asking. Like, what a balanced approach. I'm not going to dictate to you what to do, but I'm not just going to leave it alone and say, well, you know, let God deal with it. You know, like what most people do. So we have to get to this place of balance. But I, I think that it starts with the relationship piece because we don't really build strong relationships with one another. We we can't really do stuff like this a lot of times, right? Because we feel like if I say this, they may not listen or they, they may not want to hear what I have to say because I really have never taken the time to build, you know, build the uh, relationship with with them. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you have really been, you know, blessed and, and liked, you know, that discussion, you know, as we were talking about in the beginning, Ragu and I, we, we do a Bible study and we have a, a um, WhatsApp group right now. Again, we're going to shift over. We'll be shifting to a different messaging platform. Listen, if you want to join our Bible study right now, obviously we're doing it virtually. Please reach out to one of us or reach out to us uh, via Facebook on the Facebook group. Because again, we we're we're kind of phasing out a lot of the things that we do on some of the other social media sites. So if you want to um, join us, please feel free. Um, we can jump you in. I don't mean like a gang jump you in, but we can get you jumped in. You know, certain people hear that. We'll allow you to be a participant in the discussion. (laughs) Thank you. We'll we'll allow you to participate in the discussion. But no, we we would love, right now we focus on men, but, you know, ladies, listen, if you're listening and you are encouraged by some of these things, we have no problem either. But we do thank you all for listening. Um, We appreciate you taking this time. Again, go back and read Philemon. We encourage you to. It's a very powerful book. Um, And so we thank you all for listening. As you know, always, Ragu and I, we advance our father's kingdom one house at a time. And so for Ragu and, I was about to say Ragu and Amadi, but for Ragu, this is Amadi <laughs> saying bye-bye. I left the institution real talk. Living right, the execution real walk. Stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside And get your body out line and chalk I left the institution real talk Living right, the execution real walk